Good evening. Welcome to Second Shift Podcast with me, your host, Rob Festenstein. I hope you this finds you all doing well in this crazy world of ours. We're recording on a Wednesday evening. And my guest tonight is a longtime friend, Joseph Rosenfeld, joining us from Brooklyn, New York. Um, life the other side of the Hudson River. And Joseph and I have known each other better part of 36 years. And he is someone I have stayed in close contact with over the years. And in going through my guest list, uh, I wanted to extend an invite to him to join us on the podcast. So, Joseph, welcome. Thank you, Rob. It's such an honor to uh, join you on your uh, adventure here. So thank you. Well, thank you. I, I am honored to have a person of your caliber on this uh, as I get my feet wet in podcasting. And uh, my mother, may she rest in peace. And this is kind of an old joke, but uh, she always said I had a face for radio. So here we go. <laughs> <laughs> she <But> was right. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, so you, by way of reference, are a person who I have always respected uh, for a couple of reasons, the biggest of which is, as long as I've known you, you've had an interest in fashion and style and design and clothing. And you are one of the few people I know who have taken their passion for their interests and made it into a successful career. And uh, I, in looking at your website, uh, you uh, brand yourself, and please correct me if I'm wrong, as a fashion and personal style strategist. And I think a lot of people may not know what that is. Um, as you may know, I have a strong interest in movies. And uh, I thought of the movie The Kid, starring Bruce Willis, where he plays an image consultant. You may or may not know of that movie. Um, mm -hmm. but what I'd like you to do is just kind of explain what it is you do, what your business model is, your philosophy. And, uh, I wrote down some notes here, but, uh, please go ahead and share with our audience, uh, what you do for a typical client and what your, the scope of your work is for someone who may hire you for a project. Well, um, Thank you for such a, a grand and all-encompassing uh, introduction. Um, and I can try to encapsulate all of this uh, into a short story, um, which is that when you first met me uh, three and a half decades ago or so, um, I was really in the throes of trying to figure out who I was as a person. Um, I had been bullied terribly, um, and uh, one of the most hurtful things that ever occurred to me uh, in school um, was when people would tell me in between classes, on the hour, every hour, how ugly I was. Um, you might find that hard to believe, Rob, because the way we knew each other was uh, in a different context at that age, but mm -hmm. out of out of the public school setting. And I was not hated or vilified um, in the settings where we knew each other. So 
I was thanks to that experience and knowing you in particular among other mutual uh, friends of ours from that time, I began to emerge as a whole person. But one of the things that um, helped me to gain any of the self-confidence on the outside um, was this interest in style. It was even more than an interest in fashion um, to put a, a point on it. Um, I was using clothing and the fashion of the time to try to define a style for myself strictly so that I could get the kids at school to stop telling me how ugly I was. And it worked. And this hypothesis that I formulated when I was a sophomore in high school is the same philosophy that I apply to my work over you know, 30 some odd years later now, um, and where I've been self-employed for 18 or 19 years now, something like that. It's been so long, I forget. And the, <laughs> the philosophy is that, yeah, I may never be tall. I may never be, you know, strikingly model handsome. I might never be hot or sexy or whatever in the eyes of an onlooker but I could have style and um, style is something that is constant. Style is something that once you have it, it's permanent. It's something that you can keep working on because it isn't just a reflection of some kind of outer beauty. Style is really about what emanates from deep within about who you are as a, a whole person, your interests, your values, your passions, um, all of that stuff can uh, become your personal style and, and it can be something that you can express on the outside of yourself. And you can use that to, to help communicate very strong messages about who you are at your core. So that before you even open your mouth, people can get the sense of who you are and most likely the right people that you're trying to attract to you will feel that draw. And so that, that is um, how I formulated over time uh, my business practice. Uh, and that is essentially what I do uh, to help people now. Um, and that is to take personal style and to study a person holistically vis-a-vis uh, -vis their personal brand, uh, if you will. Um, which is uh, studying a person's reputation and taking the, that information and studying an individual's personal strengths and basically formulating um, an entire style strategy that helps a person communicate with a strong sense of presence their uh, sense of, of outer confidence their inner self-assurance, the way they communicate um, verbally and non-verbally should be connected to the way we see them uh, and, and so on. So uh, it, it, it's helped me really develop a, a pretty tasty practice where I'm working with very high level uh, executives uh, on both coasts you know, here in New York and uh, out in Silicon Valley where you know I lived for a long time. So. That's how I created this world. 
When I think of personal style, you know, uh, I wrote down two examples here in my notes, uh, just from contemporary times of, you know, how people are identified and how people remember them. And the two names I wrote down was the first, Al Roker, for his glasses. Um, he is a man who has gone through many transformations himself. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're a watcher of the Today Show like I am, but uh, I always watch in the morning to see what color glasses Al has on. <laughs> and then the other person who came to mind was uh, in watching the coronavirus uh, task force brief briefings at the White House was Dr. Burks and her oh, scars. Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious what your take is on both of those people. Um I don't know about Dr. Burks as a physician. Um, I do know that Al Roker is a trained meteorologist, um, which is one of the few jobs in this world where you can be wrong and still be successful. Uh, but what's your <laughs> take on both of them and their signature style items? So I concur with you that um, each of them has uh, created a strong look for themselves by doing the same thing differently. And that is to uh, become identifiable with a signature item. And so for, for Al, uh, I think he achieves um, a really interesting face on television, which works really well because outside of his meteorology chops, um, he is a personality and uh, he is a media personality and he looks that way. Um, and I think that, and that's not meant as a pejorative. It means that he is really living up to um, the moniker of personality. Um, and he can express himself by changing his eyewear um, and, and that he has a collection and that he is a person who's, face is much of what we see on TV, um, it gives us as onlookers something to look forward to, which is like, as you just said, um, you turn on the TV in the morning to see what glasses Al has on. Um, so it, it, it aids him in generating and maintaining and deepening his, his following and, and connecting with people about his style, but also it's a reflection of his personality. So if, and this might sound weird, but um, if you like his glasses and the fact that he changes them and that they are kind of bold and striking and maybe a little quirky, um, that may also suggest, hey, that's, those are things that really describe Al's personality. And I actually really like his personality, which is why I even tune in in the first place to see what glasses he's got on his face. Mm -hmm. So that, that is true. Um, now, as for Dr. Burks, I, I certainly don't know her, um, but I do think that her scarves um, serve her very well uh, in one respect, um, which is that there is a, a, the scarves and the way that she wears them are very soft in a way, um, and they kind of soften up her look, um, and in in such a way that that she looks, she appears to look supportive and um, 
and that she is a listener. Um, and the other thing that is really interesting about the way that she wears these scarves is you often see them on top and outside of a, a blouse or a jacket or a cardigan. Um, and it's almost as though the scarves are offering her a shield, um, mm. a bit of a protection. That's oftentimes what layering does. And I think, I don't know her sartorial history. I don't, because she sort of appeared on the scene at the White House um, since the onset of the pandemic. Um, I didn't know who she was before. I expect that she, if I were to go back and do some research, that scarves were most likely um, a thing for her. Um, but it is interesting. So I could be not biased, but I could be reading into what I observe here because I've seen this with other people who wear clothing to reveal things about themselves. And sometimes one of the things that they're revealing is that they're, they're protecting. Um, and that might also seem antithetical because we tend to look at people who wear clothing for protection um, in physical ways, like from the elements that you're gonna wear something that's waterproof or impenetrable um, for wind and cold weather and snow and rain and that kind of thing. Um, but there can also be protection for people who need to be around something that's softer, something that reminds themselves that they have a soul um, that, and that they need to tend to themselves. Um, super quick, sidebar example of that is I once had a, I once had a client um, who I didn't know this for quite some time but um, he he used to come home from from work and he needed to go snuggle with um, a stuffed animal this is a grown man um, and I absolutely understood that work is really challenging and hard and this is a person who is extremely introverted and gifted and intelligent beyond, but he knew instinctively that he needed to um, come home and decompress in this way. And so once the moment that I learned this amazing tidbit, I thought, what if we just got you the softest, most squishiest, gushiest clothing that you could wear to the office especially when in season. And um, that, you know, if you ever felt stressed about something and you were sitting in a meeting, you could not exactly pet yourself, but we could actually put you in something where you could cross your arms and you could, you could touch your forearm with like the most wonderful cotton flannel or the most wonderful chenille boucle or the most wonderful baby cashmere something and that you could kind of feel like how Hugh Hefner used to wear those uh smoking jackets exactly it 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 certainly you know it gave him I mean that was also part of Hugh Hefner's personal physical ambience right like he was really mm -hmm. creating something for you know for us as onlookers um, and for all the bunnies running around. But, but in, in other cases, like the example I'm sharing with you now, this was not for onlookers. This was strictly for, 
for this individual to feel comforted and safe. Um, and that may be one of the things that we also see with, with people, uh, if not Dr. Burks, I would just invite your listeners to be aware that sometimes people are secretly revealing something that they need for themselves. And I think it could be a possibility um, in this particular case. And do you think along that lines, now that you mention it, um, the current occupant of the White House wears red ties all the time to compensate for something? <laughs> well, the the red is is rather interesting uh, because of how because of how strong the red is. Um, the, his ties are often very shiny, um, but I think he has a penchant for things that are shiny. Um, I will just say that it might not just be the tie, but he has he has another penchant, which is that his ties are always worn extra long, like in a place where they shouldn't go. And I've noticed that. Yes. <laughs> and that that is um, there is a lot of uh, psychology into the the way people dress and adorn themselves in the modern era that would suggest that there, there, is, um, uh, there is a bit, again, of protection going on um, there. He, there is a certain kind of, of covering up um, and, and that, that certainly suggests some, some, some deep psychological um, aspects that we probably shouldn't get into, but I, um, yes. <laughs> but, but, it's, but, it, but it's there, it's there. Well, I've noticed that and just in watching the news and, you know, other things I've noticed, you know, uh, Dr. Fauci seems very well dressed um, and we can get into this another time. But I don't know if you remember a number of years ago, President Obama appeared at a press conference wearing a tan suit mm, oh, yeah. and the media and uh, the opposing party just excoriated him over it. I didn't see what the big deal was. I mean, a suit is a suit, but I guess a lot of people viewed it as him appearing as some type of dictator. But, uh, you know, we can get into the nuances of it another time. But people at that high level, you know, are critiqued for everything they do, including how they dress. Um, but, you know, keep that in the back of your head about the tan suit sometimes, because I'd love to... Uh, hear your take on it. And I'm not surprised that you uh, remember that because it was a whole big blow up in the media. It definitely uh, we, was. We, yes, yes. Um, we've spoken about men and women. And I know from my just my knowledge and following your business, uh, you do serve men and women. Um, I believe you really started out as kind of like a personal shopper for people. Is that is that true? Well, uh, when I started my, my practice, uh, I was strictly working as an image consultant and I had uh, male clients only uh, because my previous work experience in Chicago uh, was that of a sales associate in high-end stores like um, Neiman Marcus and Bigsby and Crothers, which was a uh, men's uh, upscale haberdashery. Um, and so uh, my knowledge base around men's style and men's fashion was something that was uh, 
secondhand to me at that point. It wasn't just that I was dressing myself. I was uh, outfitting, um, you know, sports stars and lawyers and traders and regular people and what have you um, for a long time. So um, that was where I thought I should niche. Um, then in 2008, a uh, young female engineer reached out to me and said, I know that everything that you write is geared toward a male client. Uh, she says, I am definitely female. And she says, if you don't hire me, I'm going to haunt you until you agree to take me on. <laughs> and that is um, how I began to, uh, to work with ladies. And um, it, I've never looked back and it has been phenomenal experience. They're some of my greatest teachers. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And you do the same services for men and women, I presume, correct? Totally. I do all of the same kinds of services equally across the board. Um, I advise uh, when any of my female clients are, are so inclined, I advise them even about what to do about uh, getting measured for the right bra. Um, I talk to their hairstylist uh, about what they might want to do with their hairstyle and coloring. Um, I just stay away from dyes and scissors. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, that's, that's probably, that's probably a good thing. It's uh, for sure. <laughs> you know, in, in today's world, you know, we seem to be trending away from, suits and dresses and skirts especially now with so many people working uh from home um have you been advising people on how to uh work from home and still dress professionally given that so many people spend the majority of their day now on video calls oh absolutely the 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 interest in style uh has shifted and in some ways has grown um, because seeing other people on the screen all day long reminds us that there is only so much of our own physical real estate that we are showing at any one time. And um, so that's our head and our shoulders and, you know, maybe a little bit of what, whatever we're wearing on top. And so it, it actually has become quite important for people to think, how do I keep people's focus and attention? How do I look like I'm part of the team? Uh, how do, if I'm a leader, uh, which are most of my clients, um, how do I uh, inspire people when they're working from home uh, and show them that I'm relatable to them so that we all get our work done and that we're all, you know, maxing out our output and so on and so forth. But there are many, many things that, that transpire with um, leaders trying to inspire and to project confidence um, and certainty in what we can probably all agree feels like a, a very uncertain and certainly very unfamiliar and weird time. Um, Absolutely. So style is, is one of those ways of, of trying to show, um, to demonstrate uh, a bit more certainty in these weird times. 
I've even read that companies that have shifted to a completely remote platform have also adapted their dress code for people who work from home for video conferences and the like. Um, you know, you can't appear in a t-shirt and sweatpants when you're in a business meeting. Um, yes, you're at home, but you still have to have some standard. That's right. Uh, and I think that it's, it's terrific that companies are recognizing that they need to do that. And I think part of the reason that they know they have to do that is um, they're seeing people's productivity shifting downward without some, with, without having some say-so in how a person shows up for their in-person meetings. Um, and I think that that does positively impact um, productivity, brain output. We just know that if we are more focused, um, it, it makes a difference. It's like if you and I were sitting in our respective homes as we are right now, and, but we are having this conversation in our, in our respective underwear, uh, <laughs> you know, no, no one might really see you, but, um, or no one would see me uh, because we're doing this over the phone, but the, the, the way in which we um, connect with each other or the way in which we are connecting with the conversation, the way we're listening and communicating, can become a whole lot more laxed because we're just sitting around in our underwear. The moment that you actually start to put on more professional level clothing, the stronger your vocal tone is, the more focused your concentration yeah. is. Um, it everything really does um, play play into each other, and and that's a strong uh, element of my work with with people who are. Um, in need of, of coaching and advising around work from home style. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens to that uh, as it looks like this pandemic is unfortunately not going to be ending anytime soon, sadly. Right. And I know that uh, pre-corona, you were going back and forth a lot between Silicon Valley and Brooklyn um, from what I recall, uh, just from your social media, you were on a plane basically every week, if not more, uh, and you lead a very busy lifestyle. What do you do when you're not working? What do you do for relaxation, for fun, your hobbies, your interests, volunteering? Well, here in Brooklyn, uh, especially because of the, uh, pandemic situation, uh, I try to get out for a lot of walking, um, since the gym is, something I'm not uh, going to either right now. Um, so the, the walking is, is good because it, it allows me to touch on exercise. Um, I also love uh, architecture. So going out on walks in Brooklyn or uh, walking across the bridges into Manhattan or uh, getting on a quick train ride in allows me the opportunity to really take in my love of architecture. Um, now that museums are back open, uh, that's giving me um, a lot of, of pleasure uh, with advanced uh, ticket reservations. I'm going into all my favorite museums and uh, getting in the car and driving off to all, all different places up along the Northeast um, corridor so that I can take in even more art museums and 
and to see and learn uh, and be inspired by um, the works of uh, some pretty fantastic artists of our time and um, of the of the mid 20th century and and on up so um, that's that's a lot of what I really um, enjoy doing um, it's 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 it feeds my soul well and, that, and that's wonderful uh, and you're one of the few New Yorkers I know uh, who owns a car so uh, uh, credit to you there I, I'm sure that that's not easy uh, and uh, that is the exception, not the norm. Um, you know, you brought up architecture, and that happens to be an interest of, of mine as well. And that was one of the memories I was going to bring up here, uh, is I can remember in high school uh, going to your house and visiting or what have you, and you pulled out something from um, your bedroom that I was just, you know, flabbergasted by. And I believe it was something your late father uh, gave to you. As, and please correct me if I'm wrong. You had a full set of blueprints to the John Hancock Center in Chicago. Is that correct? That is true. Very good. Very good memory, Rob. Um, and I, I don't know. I know your father played some role in the development of the Hancock building. What, was he an architect? Yeah, my dad was an architect. Uh, he worked for Skidmore uh, right out of Oh, sure. Yeah, right out of college. And um, he, uh, his, like, basically his first project was uh, working on that building. Um, Khan, uh, Fosler Khan, is really credited with uh, the, the design and structure of, of the building. He was the, the, the big grand poobah of the whole thing. Um, but I remember my father telling me um, that they were at the, the, the firm was at odds about how they were really going to get the, um, the building to stand. Um, they had a lot of ideas, but they hadn't really, uh, they hadn't really congealed over just one, the winning concept. And uh, my dad told me the story that one day he was walking across um, the, uh, the bridge on Michigan Avenue and he thought, oh, the way they make bridges. This is exactly what they could be doing with the Hancock Center and um, submitted the idea. And basically the engineers were like, oh yeah, we could, we could do braces the way, the way they do them on bridges to keep the bridges um, rigid so that they wouldn't, um, because the bridges in Chicago, they go up and down and so on. So this was, um, this was the idea. And, um, so my father had a hand in something that is um, part of the iconography of modern architecture with the exterior bracing of that building, um, which then went on to become something that was used in a lot of other buildings. And um, the other thing that my dad was uh, really involved with was the design of the parking garage at, that, at the John Hancock Center. So, um, there is a beam towards the top of the building uh, where a time capsule hangs. And uh, my father actually got to sign that beam. So pretty cool. Have you seen it later in life? Um, <clears throat> no, I have not actually. Okay. Okay. Well, that, that's a very special legacy and maybe in another uh, edition, we could talk more about architecture 
um, as I've been doing a lot. One of my projects over uh, the quarantine has been reading up on Frank Lloyd Wright, but uh, we could take that up another oh, time. Uh, he had an interesting bit about style himself. I mean, he when he designed a home, he did it everything down to the dishes in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. And and he was also known to be a real SOB, but uh, <laughs> we can we can get into that another time. Um, but that was just one of my earliest memories of our friendship uh, was you taking such pride in showing me that drawing. Um, and, you know, you, you don't really see those anymore with everything being computer computer designed with architecture and the field has changed dramatically. And uh, I am pleased to know that it's still called the John Hancock Center uh, when so many uh, landmark buildings are changing names, particularly in Chicago. And uh, you and I are probably of the school that still calls uh, the building the Sears Tower. Yes. Um, <laughs> and we will always call it that, whether it's called the Willis Tower. And I believe it actually has another new name now. Um, but I, I could be mistaken. <laughs> I can't keep and, up. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, stadium names now take on... Um, my favorite one is uh, in Oakland, California, the Overstock.com uh, Coliseum, <laughs> you know, um, and I've been there for a football game. So trust me. Uh, but, you know, all these things in our very changing world. And do, do you miss the uh, do you miss the time on airplanes? Do you uh, or do you look forward to getting back to it? Oh, I I'm sure that it will come back uh, to my life at some point. I really do miss it a lot because um, I am such a an in-person kind of a person. Um, mm -hmm. If my friends or family ever were to say, um, I, I need you right now, I would, I would ordinarily be on a plane in a heartbeat. Um, that's the kind of friend or family member I, I would hope to be. And, and certainly it's, it is the way that I am with, um, with people that I serve in my business as well. Um, and here, uh, everything has converted to Zooms and phone calls and text messages and, um, and, and that kind of thing. And, and using social media to, to keep in contact with people. It's, it's all these have become different lifelines um, for, for contact. Um, so yeah, I really do. I miss it a lot and I, I can't wait until it's um, safe to go. Um, I would consider going to back to California right now, but because there are all of these um, risks associated um, with seeing people hot off an airplane, um, it really sort of demands, uh, I guess, a quarantine right now to minimize um, any uh, risk of transmission. If even if I were asymptomatic, uh, for example, and I would not want to do that to anybody that I know. Um, so I'm just waiting. Amen. Just waiting. Well, everyone should be healthy and well. And in our uh, remaining time here. Um, you know, over the years, uh, you know, I do a lot of reading and anytime I see 
an article related to Stevie Nicks or Fleetwood Mac just as recently as the other day. I will send it to you. And uh, <laughs> you do without fail. Yes, without I do. Fail. I am. You have uh, been a fan of theirs for as long as I can remember, and they are a band that uh, withstands the test of time and have certainly left their imprint uh, upon the world of music. And um, I hope that you'll be able to uh, get to a concert once again sometime soon. And, and I look forward to the next time that I'm able to see you in person as well. And so in closing, uh, for our listeners, if they would like to find out more about your business, where can they do that? My website is josephrosenfeld.com. Uh, I am also findable on Instagram, the same, same name, just Joseph Rosenfeld. And um, I'd be happy to just uh, say hello and touch base to uh, anyone who is interested in reaching out. Well, that's great. And I do subscribe to your emails and I do read them. Um, I always find them interesting and informative. And uh, the one I mentioned earlier in the broadcast, I'm going to uh, read tonight about uh, Senator Harris, uh, who I don't know a lot about. Uh, and I'm hoping your, uh, your post will uh, shed some light on that for me. And uh, I really want to thank you for giving time uh, from your busy schedule to speak with me and wish you certainly continued success and mazel uh, as well as health and i hope we can have you back again sometime thank soon. you rob it's been a pleasure to catch up with you and uh to share some of my story with you guys uh, who are listening so thank you so much thank you joseph and to the rest of you for information on this podcast you can find second shift Wherever you get your podcasts, this will be published within a day or so. For feedback, comments, or guest ideas, you can contact me at rob at festenstein, F as in Frank, E-S-T-E-N-S-T-E-I-N.com. And you can also find me on Twitter at that same name. I am taking a Facebook break for a while, so uh, that's where you can find me, uh, at least until after the election. But I look forward to uh, speaking with all of you and to all the wonderful people out there in the world. Thank you again. Joseph. My pleasure, Rob. Keep well.